Good morning. So, we're on this kind of 4th of July weekend, and the 4th of July has turned from a, literally a celebration of God being with us in this country, this greatest country at one time on the face of the earth to point to God. And it has dwindled down to a party barely remembering God at all in our country. We could do a lot of things this morning to, to point to the flag and do all these things. And we definitely do not want to let that go by to honor our country. But we need to honor the God that put this country together. And we've got to proclaim that to each other and to the world. That without God, the country don't stand and we don't stand. I would encourage you, as we work through these next few days, that we remember and put God at the forefront. Whether you're with family, friends, wherever you might be. To proclaim that Christ died for each one of us. And he died that this country, as many, many men and women have done in history, for the freedom that we can do right now. That we can come in here without fear. Of someone standing at the door. That may change. Put God first. Put God first. He built this country. Men and women built this country. Solely. On the word of God. Let's do the same thing. Let's do the same thing. As I seen this this morning, and as we're working through Hebrews, and, and we're talking about Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I wanted to put this back up because we know that Christ was in the center. And the first point of that, is Christ in our center? Do we keep Him at the forefront right here? And on each side of Christ was hung a couple of gentlemen uh, who were not nice guys. Not nice guys. Both of them rejected Christ at first. Both of them Belittled, literally spat on Christ as we see it. But as Christ hung there, with no retaliation, and he could have done that, he didn't call down the angels. He didn't take himself off the cross. He, he stayed there 
for each one of us. He did that. And He did it willingly. He did it obediently. But in the end, one of those gentlemen on each side, eyes was open. The other one did not see. But it's interesting that the gentleman whose eyes was opened did not say, look, it's my Savior. Now that was the result of him hanging there. But he said, you truly are Lord. The Lord God of heaven and all. And Jesus in response, when his eyes was opened, said today, you will be with me in paradise. So, as we talk about communion, and we talk about Christ as the high priest, Are our eyes open? Or are we sitting there still rejecting Christ? You know, the invitation was put out. We'll give it again. If you don't truly know this Lord and Savior, if you haven't committed your life, that one-on-one personal thought of Jesus Christ Forever and always. Today's the day. Today's the day. Seize it. Grab a hold of it. Know it. Precious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open your word and we look at your word this morning, as our hearts are melted and and formed, Lord, may, may our minds be cleared. May these other thoughts of celebrations, of lunch, whatever it might be, may we focus intently on your word, on you. Lord, I I can stand up here and do a lot of talking and presenting and all of this, but Lord, I can't do it. You have to do it. And we invite you to do that. Get me out of the way. Get each heart here out of the way. Open up those hearts and minds to look solely to you. To listen, to hear, and to do with your word, Father. The scripture says, the scripture says, what a great thing to say in our lives is that for me and my house, For me and my country, we will worship the Father, the God of all. Thank you, Father. May your word pierce our hearts today for your glory, your honor, your sacrifice. In that precious name of Jesus' blood we pray. Amen. When Moses first encountered God, And was told to go lead the people. And they were in slavery. They were in bondage. Just as we are in bondage to sin. He said. God. What 
what should I say if the people ask me who sent me? God replied, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am the God of all. If we could go out the door today and take nothing else with us, that would be a phrase to keep right here. The great I am has done it and done it all. He sends, he beckons, he calls, he opens the door. He comforts, he guides all of these things. And then we get to this point where Jesus comes onto the scene. In John's Gospel, Jesus was nearly killed for blasphemy when he identified himself with God who had made himself known to Moses when he said, I am. John 8, 58 and 59 says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. Are we willing to take that stand with Jesus? Are we willing to stand firm on the word and know that Jesus Christ is Lord? Elsewhere in John's Gospel, Jesus made seven profound I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. The resurrection and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Jesus identified himself as the great I am, the God of all mercy, the God of all grace, the God of all. A lot of times we try to separate these things out, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but God says they're one. And we need to keep God as the one, the only God. Jesus is truly Lord. The true Lord of all things. As a result of hanging on the cross, the result was our salvation, our freedom, the gift, the precious gift of Jesus himself. So, what sabotaged this focus on God. Whether it be the thieves on the cross. Whether it be my life. What sabotages that focus that we have. That we lose when it comes to God. What have we been sabotaged with in this country. To lead this country. So far. From the Savior. Many different things. But most of all it goes back to. To the gospel, as in Hebrews, we've lost the commitment, we've lost the love, and we've lost this desire to reach out and let Jesus Christ rule in all things.
Many things distract us, distract our focus. Uh, some of you historians would probably know this better than I do, but it's a great story. But it so reflects our hearts sometimes when it comes to the fact that we get distracted pretty easily. Back in the early 1900, late 1800s, Russia was ruled by the church. Good, bad, or indifferent really doesn't make any difference. What we're focusing on here is where is our focus? Well, the church was ruling, and I believe it was the Bolshevik revolution that came out of this. And these people who did the revolution was able to do it because internally the church were arguing. Their focus was not on their mission. They were distracted. I see a lot of that right now. We're distracted. We're not focusing on the mission. And it's interesting, we would think that the church would be distracted possibly by doctrine, theological differences, different form of preaching, whatever it might be. They were bickering internally about the size and the length of the candles. And yet the world was changed because their focus was not on the mission. Our mission is to proclaim Christ in our lives. To keep Jesus as Lord and Savior in our all. All through Scripture, we see that God is pointed out to us, the Lord is pointed out to us, and it's, it warns us. The promise, the warning, in all of these things, keep Jesus first, give up our pride, give up these things. Proverbs 3 21, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They're like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down, sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. If we keep our focus on Jesus Christ, He keeps us. He's the one. He's the power. The Holy Spirit guides us. God says, I will guide your every step. So don't get distracted. Keep your focus on God. 
keep your sight on him and keep your heart open to what he tells us to do. Our message has been throughout Hebrews, the promise and the warning. All through this gives us promise of Jesus Christ and a warning against falling away, forgetting, becoming lazy. Uh, just kind of, I'm okay. I'm okay. And yet Christ says, here I am. Come to me, you who are burdened, and your burden will be light. Promise and a warning. Today's focus is going to be on Hebrews 4.14 and 5.10. And here again, we get back more of the promise that Jesus Christ is the one, the one and only. He's one with God and he beckons us to be one with him. We're going we're gonna to start out, we're going to go back to the last two verses from last message. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So what are we doing communion? What are we listening to the word? What are we reading the word? God knows every thought. He knows every desire. He knows every last thing that goes on in us. Always. I might be able to hide something from Casey. Casey might be able to hide something from me. But neither one of us will hide the slightest thing from the Holy Spirit. Not one thing. Is our desire to reach out to Christ or is our desire still focused inwardly? We go back to Psalms because it talks about this. talks about it very clearly. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful, Marie, too great for me to understand. One thing we do we need to understand and understand very clearly is God knows every step, every thought, every feeling. Do we keep God there or we, do we try to hide something from Him? As, as, as we search through this, remember, sometimes our thoughts go astray. I know mine does. We'll be going along and we got Christ right here and then pretty soon we're, boom, butterfly. But chasing those butterflies 
can be a distraction that gets us in trouble. So as we see the butterfly, let's make sure we keep our eye on Christ. We know these things, just as the word said in Proverbs, we do not want to lose common sense or discernment. We want to be able to see. God always warns us, be able to see, keep a clear mind. Keep a clear mind. And the way to keep a clear mind is to get us out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do the thinking for us. We can't run far enough to be from God. You know, we, we hear many, many people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go here or I'm going to go there. The people are nicer. The grass is greener. All of these things. But I've found as I'm running to somewhere or to something, there's always a problem when I get there. And that problem is me. Further along in this Psalms 139, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. And your strength support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. This is the God we serve. This is the God who knows us inside, outside, everywhere, all the time. God is always near us. God is always near us. If I say, God, where are you? It's because I have wondered after the butterfly. God doesn't take a vacation. He doesn't take a nap. He doesn't go anywhere. He's always right here, right with me. He said, my spirit will be with you. I give it to you, to every heart. But if we don't empty ourselves, that spirit can't get in to fill us to the fullness of Christ, as the scripture says. Verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we 
believe. King James Version says, let us hold fast our profession. Can we just imagine today if every church, every church member, every person in the body of Christ from the inception of the United States of America would have held firm to the Word of God where the church would be today. The body of Christ. And yet so many church bodies are barely clinging on because we've allowed the world to creep in. Stand firm, the word says. Stand firm on Jesus Christ. We say, but wait a minute. Uh, you know, this is, this is tough. We have all kinds of scenarios. But Jesus truly knew what it was like to be tested. Jesus truly, literally knew what it was like to be tested. Far more, I would encourage you, far more than we experience today. Luke 4, the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment of time, found him, they begged him. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures say, you must not tempt the Lord your God. Every step we take, every thought we have, guides us, the scripture says. Do we return to that? You know, Jesus could have rebuked the devil any time. He could have thrown him down. He could have done all of these things that God can do every moment of every day. But he said, the scripture says. Do we have this burned into our hearts? 
Do we let the Holy Spirit guide us in that? Teach us the word and point to Jesus Christ? Verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Come boldly, confidently. You know, I can't come before the throne of God on my own. There's nothing I can do. There's no work I can do. None of these things can be done without the blood of Christ. He bridged that gap. He is there all the time. Christ is the one that's advocating for us every day. The Holy Spirit is pointing to Christ. Christ, through his death and resurrection, was able to bridge that gap that the sin of man caused. Are we willing to reach out and take that? Are we willing to just empty our hearts and let Jesus Christ be our all? In respect to time, we're going to go through this last section rather quickly. Um, Jesus said in that time, in John 16, 19 through 24, you will ask me nothing. Here again, Christ bridged that gap. Christ bridged that gap. We can come boldly before the throne, humbly on our face before God our Father. Jesus is the ultimate high priest, the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is the ultimate high priest, and the ultimate sacrifice. In the latter part of this chapter, chapter 5, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers, pleadings, with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered in this way. God qualified him as the priest, the perfect high priest. The key point there is Jesus learned obedience. Do we learn obedience through our trials and tribulations? Or do we say, why, God, did you let this happen to me? Or do we reverence God and say, God, if this is your will. When you pray God's will, do you sincerely ask him for his will? Or do we say, God, your will be done, but this is what I have in mind. This is my thoughts on it. I would encourage each one of us. You know, 
there's lots of passages that reaffirm this for us, the body of Christ. I'll go through just a couple because they're, they're really pertinent. Because we need to learn to rejoice in these times of hardship. Because we know the God, the God of all mercy and grace. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Praise God in these times. Do not be anxious about anything. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your might and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make straight your paths. Lean on God. Trust in God. Keep God the focus. Because He is the promise. He is the gift. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do we really believe that? Do we trust in that? Again, the invitation was given earlier. I would invite you again. If you don't know Christ, if you don't have that solid understanding, whether you've been a Christian for years or you're new to it and you don't quite understand, don't make any difference. We all have to bow before Christ. We all have to give it up for Christ. And guess what? Sometimes you hear living for Christ is so hard. Giving up me is the hard part. That's the hard part. Because my idea is, hey, Psalms 23, Kim, uh, Psalms 23, and, and we, we like to read all of Psalms 23 because it just states out everything that God does for it. But the very first part of Psalms 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. I'm dumb. I go places I shouldn't. I get stuck in the mud. I do all of these things. But the Lord is my shepherd because He provides everything. He guides me. He leads me. He takes me by the hand. And He provided the Savior for my wretched soul. If you could go through this week again, keep God, God, the great I am, Jesus Savior, Jesus Redeemer, Jesus Advocate for me, for me. Praise God in all things. Lord, as we come before you, humbled, 
Lord, your word says we, we need to be broken in front of you. And you can put us back together in that perfect shape. And that perfectness is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, do we hold him as high priest? Let us do that. Savior, Lord, Redeemer, Advocate. Oh, Lord, we praise you. We praise and worship you. As this week goes along, may we open them Bibles. May we seek out the scripture says that we might have an answer every time we're asked. The gospel, the good news, Jesus Christ and him died and resurrected. Father, we praise you. We thank you. May we go in the peace, the knowledge, and the understanding that you are truly the God of all, the great I am. We praise you and thank you on the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.